Shut up and sit down. The real problem is not whether machines think, but whether men do. It went up. It went up to the cloud. And you can't get it down from the cloud? Nobody understands the cloud. It's a mystery. Master the tools and technology that will change the way we do just about everything. Welcome to the gig. Hey there, thanks for joining us for this pre-Christmas episode of The Gig. So, how are you doing your holiday shopping this year? No doubt many of you are doing it online, but maybe you'll be hitting the mall or department stores as well. Well, the next time you're at the mall, take a look at each storefront. Chances are most, if not all, processing of their sales transactions are in the cloud. Uh, not a big surprise, but consider that just five years ago this was hardly the case. In this episode, we spoke with an early Amazon Web Services pioneer whose cloud point-of-sale innovations are commonplace these days in most stores, from the supermarket to the toy store in the mall. His name is Mike Cavis, and we took a break from Christmas shopping to chat with him to get some perspective on the current state of cloud computing. So, check it out, check it out, check it, check it, check it, check it, check it out. Okay, today we're happy to have on the gig uh, Mike Cavis. Mike is a prominent thought leader in all things cloud-related, as well as a noted author of popular books and articles like Architecting the Cloud and the Virtualization Practice, as well as an ongoing contributor to Forbes. Uh, currently, he's the VP and Principal Architect for Cloud Technology Partners, a uh, cloud consultancy based out of Boston, Mass. Mike, you led a team that built the world's first high-speed transaction network in Amazon's public cloud, winning the 2010 AWS Global Startup Challenge. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, that project? Yeah, that was pretty interesting. So we started that in 2008 when uh, cloud wasn't being used for a lot of, a lot of things like that. It was mostly web type stuff back then. And uh, I left uh, an industry, a couponing industry, that had a lot of infrastructure in grocery and pharmacy stores that was delivering paper coupons and stuff. And left there, uh, got connected with a founder who had a, a, an idea to do digital so paperless coupons directly integrated into point of sale. So we, uh, the old model was we put a server in every store, take six months to a year to wire, you know, the retailers infrastructure and all that stuff. The new model was we bake this into the point of sale and turn it on overnight and just do all the work in the file. It was pretty revolutionary because first of all, grocery stores didn't even have internet connectivity back then. The first step was convincing them to do that and the second of all, you know, no one really done high-speed transactions like that in the cloud. And, you know, back in 2008, you know, Amazon didn't have all the services it has now. So it was pretty much compute network storage, and that was it. You didn't have RDS, or at least it wasn't beyond data, and you didn't have a lot of the higher-level services. But uh, as a startup, we were able to get the market just a couple thousand dollars, which was pretty incredible. That was back in 2010. So five years later, I mean, are there security issues that have come up since then that, you know, what are some of the gotchas to cloud adoption as it stands today as opposed to like back in 2010? Well, mo most of it is fear. Um, sometimes justified, sometimes not. But you're going into a place that a lot of people aren't comfortable with or there's a lot of unknown. So there's this perception that this scary thing called cloud is this horribly insecure place. And the reality is with, and I'll caveat that, with the right architecture, it can be way more secure. And, and if you take my startup as an example, we had, we had to build security at, at levels that was never asked to be before 
in the corporate world because no one trusted the cloud. And we were able to do that with a lot of tools. Now, the, the one area where public kind of falls down is when you get into some country-specific rules about data and not leaving you know, the country and sometimes not leaving the building. So that, that's where you start seeing this push for these hybrid clouds where maybe the, the data or the real sensitive stuff uh, lives in, in a data center or in a private cloud. But you still try to leverage you know, public cloud to take advantage of economies of scale and do a lot of the processing. There's this notion of, I guess, national clouds, data conforming to national laws or requirements, or, or I mean, how, how does that work? So a lot, a lot of countries have very specific rules that data can, cannot leave um, their, their borders. And a lot of companies, their answer to that is they're installing data centers in those countries to handle that. But the problem is some countries go a step further and say you can't put this on an American-owned company because they're afraid of stuff like the Patriot Law. Yeah. So, um, but but some, you know, but some companies, some enterprises implementing this stuff. One of the things that, that I call them kind of anti-patterns is they they treat all their decisions as binary. Either you have to go all in or, or not in at all. And you really have to look at your application. If your application doesn't really have, you know, PII data or PHI health-related data. It shouldn't really matter, right? It's, it's, that, it's the sensitive data that matters. But some companies just say no data could go in the public cloud, and they're really missing an opportunity. Hey, man, so I, I, I promised I wouldn't get into any, any baseball or Giants questions. How, uh, how, did you get started in, how did you get started in IT? Um, what were your early days like? Well, it's funny, you know, when I was in high school, so I'm dating myself now. So, uh, <laughs> this is way back, and uh, my school got its first uh, computer back then. And it was, uh, it was the trash 80s or whatever, the TRS 80s, the big square flap of this. Wow. And I, got, and I got in trouble one day. Uh, that was my junior, senior year. I don't know. I got in trouble. I got sent to study hall, right? Where I was kind of, you know, just got to shut up and do work. And that's where they put the first computer, right? So I started messing around with it and fell in love with it. That's kind of how I, I got into it. And uh, so I went, I actually went to school for computer uh, engineering at RIT in Rochester. And my big dream was to be this game developer, right? And I wanted to write football <laughs> programs for the next five years. But, you know, kind of morphed, you know, evolved with the, with the technology, got into client server error and the C Unix, and then got into SOA and big data, and then eventually the cloud. just kind of enjoy it. And now, you know, Internet of Things is really getting me excited. So I just keep growing with it. Cool. Um... It's hard to uh, turn on the news and not see a data breach or security event these days. That's I mean, that's the new normal. What's the uh, what, what's the prognosis? What's coming down the line in terms of you know new models for cloud security, or is it just going to be uh, something that we're just gonna have, we're going to have to deal with um, and, and kind of accept that our data? Well, well, a lot of these have nothing to do with the cloud. That's that's the irony of it all. Is most of these big problems are non-cloud related. A lot of them are of sale related right right so it's you know every time there's a security issue you know people go screaming cloud but, you know most of the time for the ones i see the big ones target all these had nothing to do with the cloud right and uh you know again security is something you need to architect for and that's always you know my whole career that's always i never worked for banks financial institutions uh, I worked more in the marketing space and you know manufacturing, and, and those weren't the highest priorities. Our security teams were usually small, sometimes as small as one person, right? right? And every application owner was left to build around security, 
you know, as the years gone by, we start exposing more and more stuff on the web, and you start getting hit more and more. So, what's really happening is there's much more awareness because the company's got some really big trouble lately. And what you're also seeing is the cloud providers stepping up their game as well because adoption to they're the biggest barrier to adoption in the cloud is security. So they're stepping up their game. And there's just more and more features and capabilities, but at the end of the day, it comes down to how you implement those. And, and it's not just the technology, it's the processes and procedures and you know, the checkpoints. And you, know, you, you really have to make the security a priority. But the downside of that is some companies make it such a priority that they put the process of checking security over the process of getting software out the door, and they wind up paralyzing their company because they put all these archaic processes in the way. How do enterprises and businesses find that kind of balance of, okay, we want to capitalize on the cloud and we want to, you know, utilize it, but we don't want to throw everything up there and, and have it be exposed. How does how do organizations go about figuring out that, that middle ground? Well, a lot of them don't, unfortunately. <laughs> and, and there really isn't a solution, but, and I'm going to throw the DevOps term out here, and DevOps is not the, the solution, but companies who embrace the DevOps model, which means a, a collaborative model, teams are working more cohesively together, sharing information, trusting each other. And those type of companies, as that process becomes mature, they start embedding security earlier into the process, and then you know, everyone becomes responsible for security. In the legacy model, where we're in our silos, this group owns security and no one else really cares all that much about it, right? So you got to get into, you know, where a lot of companies are trying to move, which is in a more collaborative, more sharing, more shared ownership type culture where everyone at the end of the day cares about the end product as a whole, not their little piece of it. Like you were saying, you know, um, security, you know, it's going to evolve into something that's an organizational concern as opposed to a function of IT. Yeah, I like, I like to use the analogy of a car, right, um, where safety is a major component of a car, and everyone who puts that car together, I mean, if, if safety is not there, the car is not going to be a good product, people aren't going to want to buy it, and there's going to be a lot of liability. So everybody involved in that, in architecting that car should be highly concerned about the overall security. Security should be baked into the doors, the steering wheel, the airbag, I mean, the brakes, every, every single piece of that car needs to contribute to the overall safety. We need to think about software that way too, right? Especially when we're dealing with the process with critical data or, or critical systems, right. health-related systems or something that the security is a major component of that product or service, and we need to bank it into every piece of it, whether you're in the QA department, a developer, or doing UI design, it doesn't matter, you're still all owning. What are some of your concerns in terms of the cloud in the next couple of years? Well, most of my concerns is the, how people use it, right? So, uh, if you look at most, so I deal with a lot of large enterprises and I've worked at them as well, and what you wind up with over time is the evolution of spaghetti architecture, right? And you, and you got all this mess and all these issues and now we're going to the cloud. It's a chance to take a step back and, and do do a project right, and then do the next one right, and then you'll actually architect something from the ground up, and then start getting rid of our sins of the past 30 years. But what's happening is people are just running into the cloud, and they're taking their spaghetti architectures and making spaghetti in the cloud. And a lot of times,
times as a result of the cloud will be worse because there's no architectural thought into it. There's taking applications that weren't built to be exposed outside of their data center, weren't built to, to be like immutable, right? Weren't built for high scale, and they're throwing this stuff in the cloud and expecting great results. Right. And they wind up spending more money and having more issues, and then cloud gets a bad name. But, you know, really, I always say it comes down to architecture. Um, best practices? Best practices is uh, start small, do something that's attainable, don't expect it to be perfect, get something out there and learn and then iterate and continue to learn and get better. There's so much to know that you can't get it all right, so make something, do something. That's another problem. A lot of companies, they go to the drawing board for a year, a year and a half, two years, and you know, you never get beyond PowerPoint. But, you know, make a decision, do something, try it, improve concept, iterate, get something out there, figure out what worked, what didn't, fix what didn't work, iterate, start the next one, start small. Mike, how can, uh, how can people learn more about some of your writing and some of your books and check out what you're up to? Sure. There, there's a few places. So, um, for coming up, Cloud Technology Partners. So, if you go to www.cloudtp.com slash insights, there's all kinds of, pretty much anything I've written, whether it's on Forbes or the virtualization practice or on my personal blog, it all kind of winds up there. Plus, I do a podcast like this. Uh, I was doing them weekly, but I've kind of slacked off lately. But I've done about 40 of them this year. So I've got a podcast here. Um, my book is also out on Amazon, our in the cloud. And then I, I have my own blog, which is cavistechnology.com, but it's really a pointer to all this. So I write in various places, and then I kind of repost from there just so I, I keep track of it all. Sweet. Uh Last and arguably the most important question of the day, uh, favorite album of all time. <laughs> favorite album of all times. I am a big Iron Maiden fan. Oh, man. And uh, a Ronnie James Dio fan. So it's going to be somewhere in between those two, but I, I may have to go with a piece of mind Iron Maiden. I've seen them about six or seven times. Whatever state they're in that's closest to me, I find a way to get there. Awesome, man. Yeah, it seems like heavy metal is a favorite for a lot of, a lot of our guests. Yeah. yeah, my nickname in the college is Metal Mike. I don't admit it too much. I have long hair and the whole nine yards. <laughs> well, hey, Metal Mike, I uh, really appreciate you uh, taking the time out to chat with us on this podcast. All right, appreciate it. Hey, everyone, that was gig episode number 12. Thanks for tuning in, and thanks to Mike Cavus for taking time out to chat with us. Be sure to join us for our next podcast, the last episode this year, as a matter of fact, and we'll be featuring highlights from our first 12 episodes and signing off until 2016. And be sure to check out scriptrock.com for more news and articles about DevOps, information security, and IT. Talk to you guys next time.